And today I'm here with Phoenix again. Um, this is the second time doing my podcast with you. Um, I enjoyed it so much the first time I decided to do it a second time. Um, so hi, Phoenix. Hello, hello. How you doing? I'm psyched right now. <laughs> oh, you look so psyched. I, I'm like, I'm glowing. Oh, you always glowing, babe. No, this is like, <laughs> this is like, you know, one of those things where I've been like a dog in heat over the past month. <laughs> kind of kind of glow okay yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of glow yeah i mean i'm telling you be, <laughs> being in this space right now is giving me it's it's it's, it's releasing some some tension okay oh wow we'll get into that <laughs> we'll get into that as we talk <laughs> um so yeah today we're going to talk about soon as it's valentine's day i thought we'll start us off by setting the mood with some party next door but actually valentine's day is gone what am i talking about but seeing as valentine's day has gone i just thought why not speak about love and relationships and what that looks like not only for us but when we're talking about it i think there's a lot of interesting conversations as ever to have about relationships and love and why not do it when we've just left valentine's day and i'm getting married <laughs> what a perfect time to talk about love and relationships Woo. i know i'm excited i'm so excited about that but um the fact that i'm getting married i guess has made me start thinking a lot about like I've been in a relationship for like probably coming up to five years now, but the fact that we're getting married, I'm like, okay, this is actually something big. And before I got, <laughs> before I was even engaged, I was like, marriage doesn't change anything. Marriage doesn't change anything. And now that I'm getting married, I'm like, I don't expect it to change things, but I guess I'm interested in seeing what married life is like and how we both take to it. I don't know, you're already married, so please help me out here. Give me some advice. No comment. <laughs> no, um, uh, I think that, yeah, I'm not the one to give an answer for that, actually. Just because. How can you not be the one when you're married? Yeah, but my partner and I, we were, what is that? I saw it the other day, LDR, so we're in a long distance relationship. Okay. Right? So I've spent the first year of my 
my my marriage flying back and forth between different countries and things like that so right. so it's 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 I, I don't know if we had the first fight or i don't know if we've had all the things that you know you're supposed to discover in your first year mm-hmm. you know what i mean i think that once we kind of close the distance and we're living together then i'll call you and be like what the fuck <laughs> is this who said this was a good idea <laughs> like i mean I will say this. Um, actually, no. I have nothing to say about oh, it. Oh, you must have something to say. Do no, you feel seriously. like it's changed you? Or what? Has it changed you? Has being married changed you? No, because I keep getting... I mean, besides having to say, hey, I'm married. Like, Fair enough. But besides that, you know... Nothing's changed. First of all, I want to say the amount of times that you've told me, told the world that I'm married now, you've just fucked up my game. I'm just playing. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, like if the anybody. ring on her finger like, doesn't say it all. Nobody sees the ring on my finger. No one pays attention to it. So, so all of my hustle and game, you know, every. Am I just throwing it out of the window? Everyone who's been like checking me on like Instagram and Twitter um, now knows that I'm married. So they're going to be like, oh. I was about to send her a message in her DMs. Now I'm not. Like, you I mean, know. I mean, I mean. But we're going to talk about that later because I don't mind people sliding in my DMs. Slide through, slide through. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I say, what's stopping them apart from. From the fact that. She, oh, true. If, yo, if you got them, you know, if you ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> if you're about it. If you're real about it, then, then still <laughs> slide in them DMs. I'm getting there. Yeah. So, yeah, what we're going to talk about today is there's two main things that I want to talk about, I guess, thinking about um, marriage. Not necessarily about myself, but opening the conversation to us having to think about some of the discourses that have surrounded topics around interracial relationships, mm. but also some of the topics surrounding black love. Mm. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, let's get into the next song and then we'll get into the conversations that we're going to have. Let's do it. Let's. The very first time that I saw your brown eyes, your lips said hello and I said hi. I knew right then you were the one. But I was caught up in physical attraction but to my satisfaction baby you're more than just a face and if I If I say that I can be your one and only Promise, promise, promise That you'll never leave me lonely I just wanna be the one you need Oh baby I just wanna be the one to serve you Sometimes I feel as if I don't deserve you I 
cherish every moment that we share and if I ever in love again, I will be sure that the lady is a friend and if I ever fall in love so true I so, first of all, I want to talk about struggling with Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> so, let me give a bit of context to this. When I... I think I was on Twitter one time, and I think I posted something about being in a, um, an interracial relationship, because basically I always find that, because my partner's white, sometimes when I talk to black guys and they find out I'm dating someone's white, they're like, huh? Getting married to. <laughs> well, yeah. I said dating, getting married to someone, that's why. They're like, huh? They're like, what's that all about? And for some people, this has been such a... When they know the work I do, the things I'm interested in, I guess it's a surprise to them that I'll be dating someone, that's why. But anyway, I must have tweeted this, and someone tweeted. They didn't at me in this, but I was like, this is so closely after what I've tweeted. They tweeted, oh... I don't understand how you can say you love your community and do so much activist work in your community, but date the oppressor. It's like suffering with Stockholm syndrome or something. And I was like, is that about me? I was like, you're talking to me? You talking? You can't be talking to no one else because <laughs> you must be talking. Anyway, but I was like, I was, I don't know. I was like, what? I was like, even if they weren't talking to me, I, I guess I read that and I felt a bit sort of like, Hmm. And it made me think, are people who are dating, I want to say dating outside their race, but let me be specific. Are black people who date white people suffering with Stockholm Syndrome? <laughs> <clears throat> what are your thoughts? All right. So it's just like me struggling with my whiteness, right? Right. It's always a struggle. <laughs> it's always a struggle. Um... <laughs> Ooh. Dang it, I, I was about to say, I understand, because the partner, I had an ex-girlfriend at one time, but she wasn't white. She was struggling with her whiteness, but she wasn't white. I mm. was struggling with her whiteness, but she's not white. She's not white. <laughs> <laughs> so her, her people are from New Mexico, and I know it's, you know, Spain and, like, indigenous you know, she has features that are kind of native Spaniard kind of mixed. Mm. Shit, never mind, she white. Um, <laughs> I was, you just realized that right now. <laughs> man. Not when um, you were all up in it. <laughs> I, was, I was trying so hard to make it work, but nah, she's white. Um, so... <laughs> I I mean, I have been someone who have been a lover of black bodies, lover of black, you know, contours, and and I've appreciated. But I got to a place where I was on my mature tip, and, you know, I was, you know, leaving, well, not necessarily leaving, but dealing with, like, an unhealthy relationship or a good relationship, but it turned a little bitter at the time. And here's this white lady <laughs> and i'm telling you she's not even like she was a regular looking not necessarily 
not when I say regular, not necessarily regular in a in a like downtown Leeds, she shops at Marks and Spencer's kind of way. <laughs> I'm thinking like she could own a farm type of way. Um, but at the same time, you could possibly see her in a suit smoking a cigar. You know, right. it, you know, she has that that kind of swagger, and um, he started chatting me up, and I was just like, "All right," because normally what happens is I'm the one to chat people up, mm. and so to have somebody just like come and chat me up, I was shocked. I was just like, "Okay, like what's happening? What right is now? happening <laughs> right now?" Um, <laughs> But the more that we were together, the more that I had to, I was struggling with my whiteness Mm. and I was, and I was trying to understand how to be my very chocolate self Mm. in the midst of her very like Texas, Mm. New Mexico friends. (laughs) I mean, you know, I remember when she used to tell me she, she back in the eighties, she was much older than me, by the way. <laughs> Back in the 80s. She's she definitely used... not a millennial then. Oh, no. <laughs> no, she's like, what was before them? <laughs> um, is it Generation Z? No, because Generation no, Z, Z is, is a new one. It's X. Gen, Gen X. X, yeah. She's a Gen X, right? Actually, she and my sister are the same mm. generation, right? She told me how she used to work in the inner cities of Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know she's like she, throwback. <laughs> I was just like, you know, she used to work with kid, inner city kids. Wink, wink. You know what that means. <laughs> oh, so she understands culture. You know, I'm actually I'm actually very depressed talking about this. I'm thinking about all these things, all these red flags that on reflection. <laughs> yeah, you see them now. like like yeah. you know. I when mean, you're in heat, you can't see them. You can't. Oh. <laughs> See, it was that dog and heat kind of thing. I'm yeah. telling you, it was sometimes, you know, she, she did some of those those flowers and like, I'll take you to a jazz concert. And, you know, one of those intimate settings kind of things. Like, I'll lay you down. Let's go for a weekend together. And I'll plan the whole thing. What? I do that. No one does that for me. Okay. So, so this is a type of, at, I, I saw at first the i saw beyond the race at mm. that moment getting you know wind and dine mm. right getting an attention that i hadn't gotten before because normally i'm the one to kind of step up and do those things i'm the romantic one to to be able to fall back and kind of be the femme you know i can be the you know in the heels but sometimes mm. you know my my worker hat is always on but to be able to just cross my legs in my heels and not do anything it was beautiful <laughs> um but, but when you were feeling this beauty, did you feel like you were suffering with Stockholm Syndrome? I wasn't suffering until, <laughs> until I started to realize, until I started to realize her friends. Mm. And then I was getting around the people that she hung around with. Mm. And I was one of the only chocolate people in this surrounding. And I kept getting looked at. Like, they kept looking at me. And I was just trying to figure out, is it something in my teeth? What, you know, what, what is it? And then I realized that I was invading their space. Like I was taking up a space. space. Yeah. And, and I started to suffer. I started to have questions in my head about, you know, 
what could this be like? And then, of course, you know, she was a real lesbian. So she was trying to move in, get married, and have kids in three weeks. So. <laughs> I've heard you guys fall in love really quickly. I mean, just, just <laughs> pedal to the metal. Um, she, like, she, I started to think about biracial children. Mm. And now I'm trying to figure out, well, how are we going to raise those kids? Because those children, you know, because she's going to want to get a partner that looks like her. Mm. So then the kids are going to grow up with an identity. Well, they're going to have a black mama, so they're going to be black. See, that's messed up. I can't, mm. I can't say that. I wonder what Mar- Meghan Markle's mom did. I need to talk to her. Meghan Markle's is Meghan mom- Markle's mom, is she black or is she mixed? I honestly do not know. Okay, I don't want to racialize. No, same. I honestly do not know. Her mother is chocolate. <laughs> can I just can I just go for that? Yeah, she's a beautiful chocolate lady. And you know what? That's another part of this conversation because when we're saying that people, um, if you're black, you should only date someone that's black, and we shouldn't get involved in interracial relationships. Where do people who are mixed sit on this? Do, do they date someone that's black as well? Are they allowed to date white because they've got... I don't know. Where do they sit? I mean, I don't think... I don't think anyone should say that you should... You should or should not date any person from any other culture, race. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's about your partners, right? If you fall in love with somebody who's outside of your race or outside of your culture or outside of your religion, right? And you guys vibe. And they understand you. Thumbs up. Under proceed, th- proceed <laughs> with caution, <laughs> but proceed. See, exactly, you know what I mean. Because there's gonna be those questions that come up. There, they're gonna be those moments, right? Mm. And I have to know what those moments were with you and your 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 husband, because I know they yeah. happen. They oh, must those have moments happened. have always been. I think for me, it was on like a, on a personal level. It was more of a case of uh, when I was younger. I was like, oh, I love, I love, I black men, mm-hmm. top tier for me, top tier. Um, so I was like, oh yeah, I always thought I was gonna date a black guy. Cause I never dated anyone that wasn't black, but I was always gonna marry a black guy. I was extremely attracted to African men, like West African men in particular. I love the jawline, I love everything. But then it came to a point where um, I went on my year abroad and then on my year abroad, I, I think I've told you this, I didn't really mix with African Americans like that. I've heard that so many times. <laughs> yeah, they weren't, we just weren't, um, I didn't find I gravitated to them or they gravitated towards me. I was in classes with quite a lot of African-Americans, but I never felt like um, we had similar experiences or anything. So I found myself mainly um, meeting people who were from different ethnicities, like Hispanic, um, Asian-Americans. And so when I came back, all my friends had left uni and I was just like, oh, I just want to make a friend. So me and my partner actually started off being friends. There was In my head, it wasn't this is the person I'm gonna, I want to date or marry. And through there, we just got on so well that as I got into it, I started thinking all these things. You start thinking mixed race children, interracial dating, what does this mean? And I guess I bring this back to sort of academia because what I was reading Franz Fanon's um, book, Black Skin, White Mask, uh-huh. and there's two chapters on there where it warns against black women dating white men and black men dating white women mm-hmm. which is ironic because i learned last week that fanon himself um married a white woman yes he did so i find that chapter quite <laughs> i find i mean it's 
Fanon is quite inaccessible anyway. I feel like I had to read sentences over and over again to even understand what he was saying. It's but about I, the French Caribbean men. Exactly. That's a, that's a whole, <laughs> whole other... That's a whole different context. Oh my god! And that's what when I was reading, it, I first when I got to the, I read the, I didn't read past the chapter on black women dating white men. But when I got to the chapter on black men dating white women, in my head I was like, I see where he's coming from in that particular context, mm-hmm. in the context of which he was speaking about, especially during the time and where Fanon. Um, in black France and black French people, mm-hmm. the way French people treated people of color and they were in no way subordinate. And I guess for him, it was that sort of, we need to sort of love ourselves. So I understood it, but trying to apply Fanon's context to my context was just not the same because I never met my partner in that same setting. Mm-hmm. But there still seems to be sort of this is a black academic who's looking at issues of race and ethnicity. Am I invalidated speaking about the black experience dating someone who's white? Can I not class myself as being for black people and you know, pro-black because I'm dating someone who's white? Because therefore that's the oppressor. And you know, if I'm dating the oppressor, how can I be for my people? Mm-hmm. And the way I try to sort of look at I say the way I try to look at it, but the way I look at it is I've dated black men in the past who I've still had to explain to them my blackness. Yes. Because my blackness is not the same as your blackness or anyone else's. Yes. So I still had to I dated a Jamaican. My first ever boyfriend was Jamaican. I was in love with the long hair, the pretty eyes, all that kind of stuff. Ooh. And he still mocked my Africanness, should I say, mock certain practices we did, mock certain foods we had, more than my current partner ever has. Mm-hmm. And for people, they'd be like, oh yeah, but at least he understood your black experience, but he didn't. He didn't. He did not understand my black experience. Whereas my current partner, although he's been, he'd been around African culture. And again, I hate when white people tell me, oh yeah, I've been around African culture because it doesn't persuade me to <laughs> date them. But it meant that when we started talking the things that I liked and found interesting he also did and for me that was like okay this is strange I've never really met a white person where we had a similar interest but the fact that it was white had similar interest I think it caused me to just I I hate saying this but I didn't see his whiteness Mm. as much should I say whereas there's certain white people where I can't help but see their whiteness because they say stuff to me like oh my gosh your hair looks lovely today how come it's longer today, <laughs> you know? So I can't help but see their whiteness. So, oh God. But I guess for me, being in academia, talking about race and ethnicity, there's that constant question of, I know I can talk, like, no one's gonna tell me what I can't and cannot talk about. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I get that. But it's like, to what extent am I validated talking about for um, the expression of black love, should I say, when I'm... Dating, dating a white person or anyone else who's dating any other any other race to what extent can you really be for your people if you're for the other and i'm not saying it's not possible but i think there's been a revival of this conversation of i blame megan markle <laughs> yeah i really do <laughs> but everything it's megan's fault it's megan's fault <laughs> but there has been a revival of this conversation around interracial dating and you know what 
I feel like this is an age-old conversation. We've been having this conversation for a very long time. If you think about the history of slavery, we think about the history of segregation, especially in the African-American context, where that conversation has been had several times. You can tell you, um, actually, I was scrolling through Instagram the other day, and there is a new American, um, I guess, television channel. It's... I don't know. I saw Keisha Cole a lot, and I was just wondering who is she interviewing. She she's not making music anymore, um, but apparently there there's a new platform for black artists or mm. black black television programming. Other than BET, other than BET, it's called wow. Fox Fox Soul. But I don't know how if it's just online. I don't know what it is. I just I haven't looked into it yet. But um, there was this conversation about interracial dating. And I was just like, bro. We having this again? <laughs> are we really? But at the same time, I think there's a hurt, right? There's a hurt. And what I found the most interesting was the context in which the conversation existed, which was about pre- prominent black men mm. not just regular old schmuggity diggity not your, <laughs> not your neighbor <laughs> all right bobby next door we don't care about him it's about <laughs> it's about singer such and such actor such and such basketball football player baseball player such and such and who he has on his arm someone with money Some, essentially yes mm-hmm. and it's just like interesting to me because one of the ladies said just because the media decides to show light on these 15 to 20 men doesn't mean the other 50 or 100 are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, um, you know, why? I know why it started. I know exactly where it came from. So, um, and I had to think about that. Uh, Queen and Slim. Oh, okay. When... When people realized that the actress, whose name I have forgotten, so I do apologize. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know who you're talking about. She is married to and is pregnant by um, Pacey. No offense to who his actual actor name is. I just love Dawson Creek um, and Gossip Girl and mm-hmm. One Tree Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I real, when people realized that this this black. beautiful mm-hmm. black woman is married to this white man that i think something called bed wench yo oh what's that that sounds that sounds very violent oh man <laughs> a bed wench is basically a black it's i know it's an african-american term for a black woman who sleeps with her white master oh my gosh <laughs> i thought stockholm syndrome was the worst i heard <laughs> <laughs> no a bed wench oh my god that's not nice <laughs> yeah but i mean then I mean, they were talking about a lot of black women who are quote unquote bed wenches. Mm. And, um, and so this conversation came up again and they were talking about why is it that we semi, you know, cause it's, it's kind of died down. We semi accept the fact that there are black men who are with women outside of their race. Mm. But when a woman, a black woman does it, it's like heightened. It's like, Oh my gosh, why? And I, my answer is whatever you said at the beginning was mm-hmm. that when you went to <laughs> to America, mm. you didn't get on with African American men. And I, this is the second time I've heard that. I, I went to a, a black feminist society, and there was a young lady who mentioned that. She said, 
um, she's like, no offense to anyone here, <laughs> but I would never live in America because of my experience with African-American men. Mm. And I was like, they can be toxic. Mm. Can be. Don't at me. But, <laughs> they, it, 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 but there's a history there. Mm. There is a hurt there. There is system, systemic violence, abuse, mistreatment, miscomprehension, masculinities. There's a lot going on that's, that's on the shoulders of black men. And slowly but surely, there are black men out there that are with black women that are trying to break the cycle. Yes. But more often than not, you know, women have this unfortunate experience. With toxic, yeah. With toxic men, yeah. black men. Mm-hmm. So why not date outside of your race? Why not? There's nothing wrong with it. If, as long as, like I said, <laughs> mm. you, as long as that person understands you and where you're coming from and you guys have had those. Yeah, why not? Head to head. I mean, and that's anybody. I think that's two people who are two different religions because mm. they're going to have those. And that's, the, that's where I come back to. We keep having this eight, like conversation, which is, I don't even know how many years is going, but this idea of miscegenation, interbreeding, intermixing, all that has quite eugenics related like language to mm-hmm. it. And I guess for me, having watching, I don't know, there's, I need to think about how I phrase this because I don't have a problem with black people talking about certain things, but this conversation previously in the past about intermixing was what was said by the oppressor to stop us doing falling in love being and just being able to express our love with anyone that wasn't black even with black people they had a problem with yeah black relationships that's true so this conversation around oh you shouldn't be intermixing really reminds me very much of the oppressor to see black people now having this conversation about we shouldn't be mixing it's kind of like for me it, it presents a problem it sounds like we're doing, it's the same problem that we had before, but just flipped. Yeah. And who's saying it? Yeah. And I will, I will hands up say, I am for black love. Mm-hmm. People might say I'm not being with, you know, a white partner, but I love seeing black people together. I love seeing black relationships. And even before myself, that was what I thought I would have and would inspire. Would I change it for the world? No, because I found love in someone who loves me and, you know, is a great partner to me. Mm -hmm. So I would not throw that away for race or my politics. However, I think it's important that it's established that we should encourage black relationships because this idea of the black man being toxic, the black woman being aggressive, I think these stereotypes need to be dismantled. Oh, of course. Especially in our discourse. So wherever I can uphold and uplift black relationships, I make sure to do so regardless of who I'm with. That's something I'm for. But at the end of the day, I think it comes down to what you've been saying of imposing on people what they should do and making people feel guilty. So again, telling someone that they have Stockholm syndrome because they're day outside their race, it's it's not a very nice thing. Because Stockholm syndrome is a real thing. (laughs) It's a real real thing. It's it's an actual 
illness. And to some extent, we all have Stockholm Syndrome. As long as I, even if I'm not white, we're all struggling with our whiteness because that's the system which we found ourselves. So it's impossible that we're not struggling with some sort of Stockholm Syndrome. But, you know, putting these labels on people, bed wench, all of these things have become problematic. And I will hold my hand up and say that when I was younger, I was probably one of those black women that did not like seeing black men as a white woman. Mm -hmm. And do I feel comfortable with it still? Probably more so because I'm in an interracial relationship. But I still, whenever I see it, I still think, huh, there goes a black man dating a white woman. And why do I still feel this way? And I guess this has come back to sort of that PTSD syndrome as a black girl in school surrounded by other black boys, other white boys, but white girls always got chosen first. Yeah. I, I remember a couple of years ago reading that the most attractive what was voted the most attractive person was the black man. So more people find black men attractive, which there's so many reasons. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know, they were found the most but then the least attractive person was the black woman. And I guess whenever I see a black man or the white woman, it this it might be this inferiority complex I had as a a little girl in high school who was never boys weren't ever attracted to me. It was always the white girls or the mixed race girls or the yeah. light skinned more like skin girls. So for me, I'm still kind of like, but then I see a black woman, the white man, I'm like, go get yours, you know? <laughs> and that is, that is a hypocrisy that I yeah. need to check myself yeah. and I need to keep watching. Yeah. And I guess we speak about relationships sometimes. Being black, there's always some sort of standard imposed on you, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, we're not critical about who white people date. Yeah. But we're critical about who our own people date, myself included to a certain extent. We are very critical about, we police ourselves a lot more than sometimes we get police. White society is constantly policing us. But it's interesting to see how we police Police ourselves and telling ourselves who you can and cannot date. And I guess to lead us into the next conversation, would if I was to say to, or you were to say to me, or you know, some a lesbian would say to me, oh, Sharon, you're suffering with Stockholm syndrome because you're dating men and men are the oppressor. <laughs> How would we feel about that conversation? <laughs> would that be something that would be allowed to stand? Um, that would be this conversation about lesbians, about bisexuals, really. Mm. And, and a lot of bisexuals who don't feel comfortable in the LGBT community or they feel like people kind of ostracize them. Um, but one thing I wanted to mention kind of to the end of that relationship is um, I realized that I love black love way too much. Mm. Um, so where, and I'm not saying that the relationship wasn't wasn't good. It was a really great relationship, but there was way too many pol- political questions within myself mm. to stay. I, I couldn't negotiate. Some people can. Yeah. I could not negotiate love and my blackness within that white relationship. Mm. And because of that, I had to remove myself from it. And actually, she messaged me a couple months ago, and I told her, <laughs> I told her to watch a movie called American Son. <laughs> if you haven't watched American Son on Netflix, boy, um, you, watch should wa- you should watch it. <laughs> um, and she messaged me back and she said, is that how you were feeling when we were together? And I said, a lot of times, yes. Oh, baby. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, like, I, like, there was those scenes where you just, you watch the cop just like dismissing 
the black lady this whole time and then mm. her white ex-husband shows up and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like mm-hmm. oh i'll do this for you yeah you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and so it, to i i'm probably a little bit more political with my choices and you know what it's, it's really important that you say that because i think i asked myself this question like when i first started dating my partner i was 21 when i first you know made friends with them and yes i was to a certain extent i was politically motivated for the black community i've always have been but if i knew what i knew now would that still be the case and i say what i know what i know now not that i don't love him or i've you know learned things about him that I don't love it's not even in that it's what you mentioned about having to be around their white network it's not the person themselves that has like my partner himself he's got a lot of learning to do and he will always have a lot of learning to do because we all do in something Mm. um just because he doesn't understand racism the way i do because i'm black there's a lot of things i don't understand such as homophobia Mm -hmm. it's something i never experienced so we all have a lot of learning to do so this idea that just because someone's white and they can't understand yes it's up to you how much you're willing to teach someone to a certain extent so for me having conversations with him wasn't the issue it was his network of people certain things that were said like around and i just have to bite my tongue yeah because i didn't want to be the angry black woman you were negotiating always negotiating and it's like and there was a time where i had to truly think to myself is this what I want to do and how long do I want to do this for? And I think that was a time where I had to really be honest with my partner and said that this is getting to me and I need you to know this is getting to me. And to a certain extent, not fight my battles, but have my back. Mm -hmm. Because if I felt that I was going through all of that and then the person I was still laying in bed with just didn't get it and was shrugging their shoulder to it, I don't think I could have been in a relationship going forward. Yeah. But after having certain conversations with him, and I think the point where he started understanding and sort of stepping in to conversations that or things people would say around me was the point I started realizing, yes, I'm always going to have to negotiate, but what am I willing to negotiate? Am I willing to lose this person that I'm madly in love with? You know, sort of like, and it wasn't even a puppy love, I promise you. Before I met him, I was so cynical. I thought that I would never, it was more the kind of like, oh, and unexpected i didn't yeah. expect to meet this person am i yeah. willing to negotiate and lose this person for the sake of everyone that's around them yeah or am i willing to negotiate everyone that's around them to be with this person megan markle <laughs> megan markle said fuck y'all <laughs> She did, and in that accent as well. I'm telling you. She got real southern in them. Um, but yeah, I guess, it, I mean, this is the conversations we'll probably keep having and I'll probably keep having with you because yeah. it changes and life changes. And, you know, like you said, don't at me if in a couple years time I, I completely do a 360, 180 on, you know, on everything that I've said today because we're human, we're evolving, our yeah. thoughts change and things change. So to move us on to the next segment, let's get into... Some songs requested by Phoenix. Yeah. How does that sound? Was mine really low? Louder. No, but you are loud. And that's what I thought. Come, let me kiss you. Can you still hear me? 
hear Phoenix clearer. Wake you up like sunrise on the backs of your thighs. I'm gonna break right. this prayer. Right, okay, so I just need to speak into the mic. Is it better like that? There's a lovely song i said i'd never heard it before but i like it yeah. it was a, it was a very good choice <laughs> i mean uh yeah janelle oh, speaking on janelle i know janelle. she recently came out as what was it is she is she non-binary now yes yes that's what she came out non well, she oh tweeted, they they yes they tweeted something and everyone i don't know if they have confirmed it but true. the tweet but anyway that brings us to our next session queering black love oh give some context to that well i mean you give the context no, to that because you were the one who found the found the quote though i love it <laughs> so when um i was looking up queering i quite like that the idea of queering this idea of turning something on its head and queering comes from um a practice in um queer theory that developed in the late 1980s 1990s um, but it's mainly used in literature and film where we're looking at sort of looking at some of the subverting some of the heteronormativity found in literature and film. So when we're talking about acquiring black love, I guess it's subverting the sort of heteronormativity that surrounds 
black relationships um, in its many forms. Um, when we were thinking about relationships, we we're talking about the, you know, the three types of love. Um, eros, which is the erotic love, so that kinky kind of love. Um, agape, which is that unconditional, selfless love. And philia or philos, which I've seen it as as well, which is that brotherly love so when we think about these three different types of love mainly i know there's seven in total different types of love but these three types of love mainly when we think about it in relation to black love what some of the heteronormativity surrounding it i know there's so many things that we can discuss but let's first go into this idea of black queer relationships oh <laughs> i mean that's a very loaded one but it's important that when we're thinking about black love we focus on just not the heterosexual relationship which is i think it was what often gets um the looked most. at it is and you know what phoenix introduced me to um some black female love films the other day that i'd never seen ever in my life oh. and it just made me start thinking about like everything i've seen about black film black love has always surrounded this heteronormative relationship so yes. Let's speak on queer black love. I mean, shout out to a love tale. <laughs> yes, it was a oh my god, sick film. Oh my god, <laughs> sick film. Forty-five minutes long, right? Did I tell you? Did I tell you? Not only did I get a like for that post by a love tale, the series. Yeah, and Sidra Smith, who directed it. But she follows me now. Nice, uh, kudos. Oh my god, I'm so geeked up. <laughs> um so yeah, more action on twitter or instagram <laughs> i wish i got more action on twitter I still, <laughs> I still don't know how to use it like i tried having conversations with people but then they were just like who are you <laughs> and so i stopped because I, you know i wanted to be the person who rants about stuff on on twitter Ooh. like films and stuff like i yeah. want to just be like one of those guys but but then I just delete them all because nobody cares. Um, <laughs> that's a, you know what? That's the present thing about Twitter. You ran all this stuff and then after like half an hour, you're like, no, no one cares. No one, no one cares. No one, no one cares. I might as well have just written that on paper and burn it and released it into the air because exactly no one cares. That's exactly what I should have done. Um, I think that like, like when you think about like black queer love, um, I think that there's just a lack of you don't see it much, right? You don't see it, like Valentine's Day makes me sick. If I see another couple, man decides, first of all, how disrespectful are you that you decide on Valentine's Day to propose? Like that's that's disrespectful to me. Like couldn't you <laughs> couldn't you pick Tuesday afternoon? Okay, wait. Why is that? You know what? Wait, I just realized Tuesday afternoon was in my poem the other day at hey, Sunday practice. I know. So, Tuesday is something for you, yo, isn't Tuesday it? Tuesday is it means the, a lot to you. <laughs> okay, like Thursday evening at around six. Like, can't you just propose to me then? Why <laughs> Valentine's Day? Can you be a little bit more innovative than that? But no, I mean you see all of these adverts about about you know buying her the perfect gift or buying him what he needs right well what about these other relationships that exist what about you know you buying the both of them 
what they need. Mm. Um, or Say what, Phoenix? What do you mean by the both of them? I mean, Expand, if please. If we're talking about queer love, we're talking about the different, the all different forms of queer love. Mm. So when I say the both of them, I mean, you, you can have a, a non-monogamous relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody can get love on Valentine's Day. You might have to do one o'clock, three o'clock, five o'clock, <laughs> or we all get together at eight PM and have dinner. Like let's, let's just do it. You know what I mean? So just putting that out. I'm just I'm just I, I mean, no seriously. As I say, slide into the slide DMs. Into, <laughs> into my DMs. Um, no, but but my thing is you only get this heteronormative, very white, um, type of relation type of love right and i would love to see barriers broken with that um i can say that i am absolutely disappointed i love the l word i love the fact that the l word got rebooted but what made me sad was to see the one one black woman um in the show who is bet porter who i will grow up to be one day um (laughs) To see her, the one black relationship that she could have, or anytime she has a relationship of color, it's under like a toxic or unhealthy kind of situation. Mm. So she was with a white partner for a long time. She was married to her. She has a kid and everything. But, you know, when they were going through some stuff, she cheated on her with a woman of color. Um, She's running for mayor of Los Angeles in the show, and she got caught up because the black woman she was sleeping with was married to a white man. Like, it's just crazy to me because why can't we have portrayals of queer, strong, beautiful, black love? Now, I thought I was happy about Lena Waithe. I know what's come out about her. Like, you know what? I, I feel like if I'm not on the internet every day, I miss stuff because people started hating her when like, she went from being so loved because of, I remember, what is that, the Met Gala? And she wore like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone loved her. And then, you know what? Internet can hate you in like a second, you know? <laughs> like, like, okay, so all of this is unconfirmed. So I am a passerby of media. So <laughs> when I tell you, I just got on Instagram. So there, I just learned she was married, right? And she was married in November. Okay. Oh, yes, yeah. November-ish. I don't mm. know when exactly she got married, but I know it was around the time that... Um, she was doing an interview on Ellen, and I think it was John Legend who was like, oh, and congratulations, you're married. And she's like, yeah, you know, we just went down to the, you know, Registry, how she yeah. talks, right? Um, and then five seconds later, <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, so Lena Waithe has split up with her, cup, her, her partner. Oh, they split up? Yes. I thought she just cheated on her. Well, I, well. Following. <laughs> it was unconfirmed. <laughs> I Sorry, guys, this has turned into a gossip. I know. I, okay, <laughs> I cannot confirm nor deny the situation, but mm. that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that you know you you kind of rooting for healthy, beautiful black relationships. But also, I have to respect that black love, black queer love, is political. It is nuanced. It is. It comes with baggage because of who our um, our parents are, who our examples are. If you don't know what healthy black love looks like, 
you can't be expected to kind of portray that in your own life mm. or to follow that example. You can try your hardest to create those yeah. kind of situations, but it's not always um, it's not always guaranteed. So I think that it's very for me at at the very least like having seeing more black women in relationships yeah oh man that would be beautiful like i mean and outside of like youtube shows oh i don't really watch youtube that much so i guess i miss all the healthy there are those like mini series and Mm. there are a couple like really they're really interesting like um out lesbian or out queer um, people who are doing some things that are movers and shakers, but you don't get to see them unless the you're yeah. uh, unless you're tapped into like social media and the underground mm. of certain things. Because of course you're protecting yourself. Mm. It's a protection of your community. It's a protection of self. Why certain communities aren't accessible? Yeah. But at the same time, you still want to have representation, and I feel like that's sometimes lacking because i could talk about heterosexual <laughs> black love all day <laughs> yeah I, I mean it's easy to it's right. we've had a whole genre of it for how long oh. in everything in music film popular culture jay-z and beyonce like you know everything around black love is very heteronormative it is. and i guess this brings us to ti and tiny ti and tiny and then he became problematic. I mean, everyone's problematic. So you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna stop saying that because we all have our problems. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's oh, we all have our problems. That doesn't mean we're problematic. You think? Yeah. Yeah. Can we... I, I mean, I got problems, and that doesn't make me problematic. Oh shit! I might be problematic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like it's dawning on me. Am I problematic? I am probably problem. You know what? My mom's always said one man's poison is another man's meal. So I might be problematic to some and tasty to some others. So <laughs> who knows? I had something I wanted to say about that, but <laughs> but yeah, I guess like when we think about um, the sort of heteronormativity that surrounds black relationships i think this is also to do with the sort of um homophobia we find in the black community um so it feels like whenever we're having conversations around you know queer black love we have to do it underground because it still doesn't seem to be widely accepted amongst like if we were to do talk about religion religion is very much in the mainstream conversation when we're talking about blackness and you know spirituality even is there but when we're talking about love we only want to focus around that heteronormity and i guess there's something to be said i mean there's always something to be said around the homophobia that exists in black in the black community no matter what these communities look like i think um a lot of black communities are quite homophobic and yeah but they're struggling with their whiteness exactly and they're struggling with you know what which is the ironic thing you know we're struggling with a white with a whiteness which is sort of entangled with homophobia mm-hmm. but does it feel like white society has become white society but you know does it feel like the institution of white supremacy i say does it feel like it's become more comfortable with homophobia or well, not homophobia but we're talking about homosexuality and you know queer love just in general um yes and and which is crazy because it seems like the the society at large right has has accepted i mean not in totality every every community every you know you might go into midwest of somewhere too deep north of england you might find you know community white communities that are like that but society as a whole 
um, has, you know, more in a world that that lives with Ellen. We don't have as many Lena Waifs. Mm. Um, right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I see what you're saying. So yeah. so it 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 bothers me sometimes because it's just like, all right, so white people got over it. What's going on with the black community? People, yeah. Like what? Why? Why? And I understand that religion pulling it back, something that is is held on to so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it it still plays a part in that. Like when I tell you. I heard what everyone had to say about Dwayne Wade talking about his his daughter. Oh yeah. And the acceptance of his daughter mm. and how black com- black people were ranting about how their child your child does not know themselves enough to know. Well, okay, no problem. But at the end of the day, that child is is being guided and loved by their parents. So what's the problem? So what's the problem? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um so it just I find it interesting that there's this there's this stigma. And so the reason actually um to go back a little bit, the reason why I chose Don't Judge Me by Janelle Monet, if you watched her film, <laughs> um, but if you watch Dirty Computer, when this song played, it played with a montage of her. Ooh, y'all gonna cuss me out. <laughs> just just say the character's name. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> you you've done it twice now. I <laughs> have. I have. Um okay, everybody's like yelling right now. <laughs> like, it's that's her name. Okay, so she played Valkyrie in Oh You know who I'm talking about. Oh yeah, I'm I'm just as bad as you for <laughs> honest. And and, yeah. and now you see what, what kind of movies that I watch. Um <laughs> and the movie with um What's his name? Lakeith? Oh, yeah. Um, sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you. Yeah, so yeah, you know exactly who I'm talking I know who you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, that so, baddie right there. That, <laughs> so basically, um, <laughs> so the thing about it is, uh, I, I don't know if they're together or not. So they have a love for each other. And I accept that fully. So, um, but you watch this beautiful montage of Janelle, um, this particular actress, and this other actor together tessa thompson thank you oh thank you tessa thompson it was on my tongue i just couldn't get out and it's fine um so you watch this beautiful montage of three beautiful black people on the beach being very loving caring with each other something that i don't think i've ever seen before right mind you canada has a show called you me her which is about a thruple Mm. Yeah, but the thing about it is it's a married couple who meets a younger person that wants to bring them into their relationship. Mm. So, I mean, there's nuances with that. But that's something that's mainstream-ish, you know, yeah. that, that exists. But to see three black people who, I mean, I would see, say are each single that have entered in what seems like a loving relationship with each other, it's, it's a very interesting thing. Mm. Um, so... There, there are these things that I wish we saw more of that wasn't so complicated, right? I, I love Love Jones, right? Mm. Love Jones is my movie. Like, I love Love Jones. I love Brown Sugar. Yeah, Brown Sugar. Brown Sugar is such a good movie. <laughs> I don't know if I can watch it now, but the last time I watched it, I still liked it. Oh, really? You can't watch yeah. Brown Sugar now? I've watched it so many times. Oh. 
Like, it just feels like one of those films where it was like, it was like the other one, Love and Basketball. I watched that so many times. Yes, I'm true. like, oh. So we have these examples <laughs> of, of relationship. But if you, okay, so take, for instance, Love and Basketball, right? Mm. Great film. Now, the thing about it, the thing that I, that I found very interesting and then just thinking about it is the difference between the two main characters, right? And the relationships that the family that they came from. Mm. So, you know, um, so you have Sanai's character and watching her family's dynamic, her parents' dynamic. So you have the mom who's at home taking care of things where the dad is too busy. He's providing for the home. You know, they have a very nice home next to a basketball player. Like, mm. you know, they're a well-to-do yeah. middle class or upper middle class family, which is great to see on film. But you, you know she has those kind of she watched her mom kind of be subservient to this black man. Mm. And you notice that her kids notice those things too. Yeah. Okay. So then you have Omar Epps' character and him dealing with his dad. His dad was cheating on his mom. Yeah. His dad was this basketball player. Mm. You know what I mean? And him dealing with what that, what manly, you know, manhood you know, met to him, but they both came from like two parent households. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's just like, there's this, there's this interesting, um, there's this interesting thing about the way that black love is portrayed and the way that black love is handled mm. and how sometimes it's so fragile, right? But it's so strong at the same time. time yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, I mean, but it seems to have a lot of conditions. So many to it you know like it's like yeah black love then subtitles subtitles, <laughs> subtitles then like exactly. the, the microscope underneath there yeah. but you know what's another type of beautiful queer love what? like friendships I love yeah. it big up to everyone who celebrated Galentine's Day big up Galentine's <laughs> Day was I was gonna say it was lit but I think I saw you so it was lit no but I mean we didn't do shit then. I, I mean we're together Okay. <laughs> oh, so, sorry. I think it was lit. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> talking about friendships. <laughs> I was like, I had a great Valentine's Day. What are you talking about? <laughs> I think I think all of my 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 relationships with the women in my life just teeter on like intimate. Mm, mm. I I and you know what? I think it's because I want every woman that's around me to feel passion that just to feel passion period yeah in some way some form some way yeah, some yeah. form I mm, understand because I think there was a, something that you said that like Valentine's Day we spend so much time it, it is really focused around romantic love I mean I'm not fully on board with I wouldn't necessarily want to be proposed to on Valentine's Day but some people find it sweet you know, <laughs> trash. One man, <laughs> one man's poison. All of that. I wouldn't want to be proposed to on my birthday or Christmas Day. But don't propose on Christmas, Christmas That's Day. Trash. It is on New Year's oh, Day. But oh, you know, Thanksgiving. Trash. <laughs> but some people like that sort of cliche, cheesy kind of stand watching love. movies. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, there's something that interview said that like because Valentine's Day is all about this sort of kinky, erotic, you know, very shades of grey. Yeah, work. that kind of sort of love. We forget that I say we, I, I'm not in this we. I'm talking about a societal we. There isn't enough focus on 
building and appreciating relationships outside of the sexual yeah. and romantic relationship. Yep. Every Valentine's Day since I was young, I always used to say happy Valentine's Day to my mum. And it's because her birthday is today. Happy birthday, mummy. But um, because her birthday was so close to Valentine's Day, I always just felt like for that week, I wanted to make her feel really special. Yeah. So I've always said happy Valentine's Day to her. And as I've gotten older, I've always made sure like on that day to not only think about the person that I'm with, but think about everyone else that I love. So I I sent out a message to be for Valentine's Day to people that I love because I was just thinking about, you know what? I appreciate the love I've received from people. And that's probably been one of the most things I learned in the past year that this whole time, I think I spent the whole of previous years just doubting myself, being in a place where I'm like, oh, thinking about what it meant to be in a relationship. And then this year, Valentine's came around and I was like, actually, no matter in what form people give it, I appreciate the fact that people are able to show me love and that, you know, I'm still here to sort of receive the love that they show me. So I think, again, when we talk about friendships, you know, there's there's a lot of things in popular culture about black female friendships to a certain extent and this is always cliched Mm. i think (laughs) you know look at girlfriends there's always this sort of cliche black female group and like you said about being intimate to your friends i don't really have a big group of i don't do big group friendships anymore because i do prefer the intimate relationships i have with um individual friendships that i feel like it's i've I've been able to learn more Mm -hmm. from those relationships and sort of give myself more to those relationships than the cliche black female relationships we see in you know pop culture so when we talk about queering black love there needs to be more more of an emphasis on doing this yeah I think. Yeah, it shouldn't, it shouldn't just be a Valentine's Day thing. It shouldn't be a Valentine's Day no. thing. No. I think that love should be... Actually, the, uh, it was last... This past year... No. Okay. This, 20, it's somewhere between 2018 and 2019. I came to the realization that if you do not... Okay, the same prerequisites that you have for a romantic relationships are the same prerequisites that you need to have for your friendships. Mm -hmm. If you could put that much time and energy into this, this, um, this romantic sexual connection that you have with this person, but all of a sudden you forget to how to be a friend, that's a problem because sometimes your friendships will, will, will last longer than the relationships Mm -hmm. do. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be priorities because there will be. I'm not saying that every friendship should be handled the same way. No, everybody's busy. Some people are out here hustling, trying to grow their business, their empires, living their life. But you still have to make time mm-hmm. for the people that have your back. Mm-hmm. You still have to make time to know the people that are supposed to be there for you. You still have to do the little things. Yeah, I the little agree. things are still very Good important time. because if you can um, accept the booty call, right? Mm-hmm. If you can accept it, then you can also accept your homegirl hitting you up at two o'clock saying she needs your help. It's true. Like. It's true. And, you know, this whole getting mad at friends, things that I haven't spoken to you for ages, people are still doing it. And I'm like, we're not 10, 
12, 15 anymore where the only thing I'm doing is sat by my phone waiting for you to call. Like, <laughs> you know, right now I'm dealing with stuff. So when people go missing and like, you know, sometimes I don't talk to people for a while because I'm either going through stuff or I'm busy or they're going through stuff and they're busy. Like, we need to stop holding it so personal against yeah. our friends. And I think that's what, you know, is important about what you're saying. We need to sort of foster, although they're very different from romantic relationships, the people we live with, have kids with, and share our lives with, there still needs to be an emphasis on fostering these relationships. And I say this because I broke up with, <laughs> broke up. Um, I did a, recently just did a vlog where I was reflecting on the things that I learned in the last decade. And one of the main things I learned, to be fair, was that Breaking up with a friend is harder than a romantic breakup oh, for me. Yeah. Losing a friendship that was dear to you hurts. Because it took, like, I'm, I've broken up with previous boyfriends. And within, let's say, a year max, mm-hmm. I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a couple of months, I'm already thinking yeah, about... Yeah, the next one. Exactly, oh, you know? Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, friendship breakups... You'd just be thinking about them, like, three months... Because you... no one can replace that person. Because yeah. you have other friends, and each friend serves some somewhat of a different purpose, yep. you know? So when I broke up with this friend that I, you know, friends for eight years and I broke up with her. And at the time when we stopped talking, I was like, fuck that E, you know, if she doesn't want to fuck with me, don't want to fuck with her, you know, this kind of sort of rhetoric. And then I kept dreaming about this person. They kept popping up in my dreams. Things would happen in my life, such as, for example, being engaged and all this exciting stuff. (laughs) And And I just keep thinking, how would it be with that person was still in my life? Because there's so many things I want to share with them. But... I try to address that situation and obviously I'm at a point now where there's no going back to that friendship because things happen and you move forward and you grow. But that friendship breakup really, it was a turning point. It really started making me think about how I responded to people. I mean, I keep seeing this thing about star signs and how Aries are blunt and we just tell you like it is. And for the longest time, especially when I was in high school, I was like, yeah, I'm just blunt. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, okay, blunt I may be, I still need to find a way where... I'm saying things to people and not impacting on our relationship, not coming across as a bully, not, you know, coming across as hurtful because I still want these people in my life. So how do I talk to them and address issues with my heart still, you know, being open? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually had the same thing happen to me. Um, Queer, queer, black, queer relationships are complicated, um, but best friend slash lover um, we were in each other's life for a very long time. So this is like first, well, you know, first kind of relationships. And we both we both understood our queerness and discovered our queerness together. And um, when I make the decision to come to England about seven years ago, it was kind of like I choose my desk, like my, for a long time, I just wanted to come here. And I thought they would come with me and they didn't. So it was like, you know, go to towards whatever this, my spirit was leading me or to stay and not, you know, it was these two unknowns and I chose to go where my spirit was leading me, um, which brought me back to the first person I had ever loved as a female. And I'm so glad I went where my spirit led me because mm. if I had not gone, um, this particular person wouldn't have shown back up in my life. Mm-hmm. And and this person, you know, this person became my rider. She is my ride or die. But um it but even in that relationship, I was still thinking about that person. Mm. As things were going on, I was thinking about that person because we went through so much together. And I remember I hit them up on Facebook, right? <laughs> and this is how this is how amazing of a person I am. I mean, I'm just <laughs> just, just blowing I'm your just, own horn there. I'm just, Go on. I'm just beautiful. I'm fantastic. <laughs> 
me tell you, she, I said, I sent her a message like, you know, hi, you know, I've been thinking about you. I just want to make sure you're okay. She writes back, I'm in a relationship now and I don't want to complicate things. So you coming into my life would disrupt that. And I was just like, yes, for me being a disruption. <laughs> um, but I had to accept the fact that she was she's moved on. Like yeah. like even as a friend, we couldn't we can't we can't even go to that space of just being yeah. friends. Like we were just beyond that. Mm. So and that hurts. It, it when hurts you can't, so much because you get it, but you're like, oh, oh. I know, like, oh, oh. it hurts. Like because it's weird. Like cause when you break up from a romantic relationship. I don't know. I've never really felt like I wanted to go back. I'm like, been there, done that, deuces. Bye. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Whereas like, and you know, what the story you're giving, I tried. I tried to have a conversation with this person and I met up with them and the things they were telling me, like, I'll, I'll put it out there. They told me and the reason they stopped being friends with me was because I decided to do my masters. So they felt like I'd left them. And yeah. I was like, how can I be friends with, I love you and I did love you and you're a great person to me, but... If someone says that because I was choosing myself, <laughs> myself, they couldn't be friends with me. I was like, there's going to be so many other times in my life where I choose myself. And yeah. I just couldn't, I couldn't foster that friendship, ooh, you know? Oh, speaking of, okay. So one of the things I, I know we're going to probably be wrapping up soon, but yeah. one of the things I wanted to mention also about queering black love is this idea of having to choose yourself over your partner or partners, or this this negotiation that you have to do. If, so in my relationships, I realized that as time, who you were three days ago, who you were a year ago, who mm. you were five years ago, you're not that person. Today, yeah. So whoever you're with needs to know three days from now, a week from now, three years from now, you're gonna change and evolve. They need to change and evolve with you. you because with if, me. Because you can't be stagnant mm -hmm. in a long-term relationship. Yeah. You have to continue to have conversations about where you are and how this person is going to meet you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that that has to be a queer queer. We have to queer our black love in that way. Right, definitely. Because just because that person was a certain way five years ago and for five years they were that way doesn't mean that life did not change them. Exactly. That their perspective did not change. change that their yeah. attitudes, likes... Um, tastes did not change. Mm -hmm. They should not, and also they shouldn't be afraid to come and tell you about it. Mm -hmm. You have to be open and consistently honest about change and negotiations and and um, evolving. Mm -hmm. That needs to be a part of our narrative within Black love. Oh, That's yeah. so important because without it, I know. you'll end up with a white person. <laughs> Don't say that. Can we feel what you become? What you? <laughs> Um, we come back around to this. I am suffering from Stockholm Syndrome, clearly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but suffering yeah. beautifully. Yeah. Oh, yeah. D loving the suffering. I mean, <laughs> loving I mean it all. is it suffering? Though? It's not suffering. I what mean, it depends. It? It's not suffering. It's it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's beautiful. I, I did not ever expect it, and that's what I've got. So I'm very thankful, like I said. Anyone who's able to show me love and the fact that I'm still here to receive love makes me very grateful. But I'm very grateful for having this conversation with you, Phoenix. Anytime. And thank you.
Um, big up and shout out to Sable Radio for giving us this platform to um, have this conversation. It's been very comfortable and they've provided us with some treats and goodies. So it's been great. And yes, yeah, so hoping to be back with you again soon. But checking out, do you have anything to say before we go, Phoenix? Mm. I mean, slide into these DMs though. No, <laughs> um, no. Uh, women be don't be afraid to be dangerous and powerful love it and with that being said tukupamoja kabisa
just one touch. 